In Jeremiah chapter 18, some of the familiar verses here, if you've been in church for any length of time, and I pray God will use the thought this morning as we get into this word, but I want to read for you our text in Jeremiah chapter 18. We're going to read the first six verses. He said, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, arise and go down to the potter's house and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house and behold, he saw, he noticed, he wrought a work on the wheel and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again, another vessel as seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter, saith the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in my hand, O house of Israel. Just to give you some background here, Jeremiah, in obedience to the word of the Lord, was a prophet that preached to the nation of Israel. He goes down here to the potter's house and following uh, God's direction, he walks in and he beholds, he begins to see an illustration taking place before his eyes. The potter is there working on a portion of clay and the vessel in the hand of the potter is marred. But the potter with his great ability, with his masterful hand, with his gifted touch is able to take that portion of clay and make it again another vessel, a vessel that seems good to the potter. You see, Jeremiah was in distress. He was heartbroken over the condition of the nation of Israel. It seemed as if the very promises of God would fall short, but God, but God. I'm thankful this morning that when it looks like there's no hope, the heart of faith can say, but God. But God came on the scene and God gives to Jeremiah this illustration. He encourages him and says to him, just as this vessel was marred in the potter's hand, that it was messed up, it was damaged, it was imperfect. This nation of Israel that's broken and fragmented and scattered, he says to him, I just want you to know that I can make it again that I can make it new. And today we're living on the other side of the completion or the fulfillment of prophecy. Since May 14th, 1948, the nation of Israel has had the privilege of flying their own flag. I would encourage you to be in prayer for the nation of Israel. Be in prayer for all of the innocent lives that are lost in this conflict and pray that God in his grace will have mercy and bring this to a fast resolution. Friends, if God doesn't intervene and something miraculous doesn't happen, this could turn into World War III. Right. Yeah. Don't think in your heart and mind, well, it's all the way over there in Israel. It has nothing to do with us. It doesn't affect us. I can live my life and not worry about it. This is not the message this morning. I just want you to encourage you to make it a matter of prayer. Beg God to intervene to... Save the loss of careless lives where God loves people. And pray for his nation, the nation of Israel, that are still God's people. 
But as I've told you many times, there really is only one interpretation to Scripture. This is the interpretation of this passage of Scripture where God is giving to Jeremiah a vision of what he can do with the nation of Israel. But I want to take this illustration that God gives Jeremiah and I want to apply it not stretching the truth by any imagination, but understanding the interpretation is dealing with Israel, but apply it to us as God's people, as a vessel. And although we may be broken, a vessel, although it may be marred in the potter's hand, it's a vessel that might be marred, but it can be made again. I would ask you to pray with me as I begin and bring this message marred but made again. Lord, we come to you this morning and this truth is not new by any means. This truth has been in the pages of Scripture for thousands of years and many here have heard the application of how we are vessels in the Master's hand. But I pray, God, you would awake our hearts and minds again to the truths of your word and that you would settle uh, something in our lives, understanding that although life winds blow and they create struggle and they create burdens and sometimes they create scars we can be marred but Lord you can make us again you can do the work that nobody else can and God I pray that we would have hope today that we would be excited about what you can do with each and every one of us and we'll praise you in Jesus name amen when Paul was found there in jail uh, as often he ended up in jail in one city after another for preaching the truth of the word of God. I praise the Lord for the privilege that we still have in this country to preach freely the truth of the word of God. But Paul found himself in prison. I want you to know that he did not fear man. He didn't fear the jailer. That wasn't his cause for concern. No, sir. He was there in prison and him and his partner lifted up their voice in song. Their voices that could not be held by the chains that bound their hands. Their voices that could not be stopped by the bars that kept them in that prison. They lifted their voices and the, their voice reached the ears of heaven. God heard their cry and he sent an earthquake and he freed them. Beloved, all that Paul endured, all that Paul went through, I want you to know that in all of it, he didn't fear what men could do. What he feared was something else. Can I read a verse for you? Don't turn there, but in 1 Corinthians 9, verse number 27, he says, but I keep my body under subjection. He says, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. What Paul worried about most, what concerned the heart of Paul most was that Something in this life would come to the place where it would bring him to a situation or the place where he would no longer be useful to the master. Where he would be a castaway. I thought about titling this message, Cracked But Not Cast Away. Oftentimes there's pots that uh, when they become cracked, they're no longer any good. They really don't hold any more water. They can no longer maybe fulfill the function that they did. And so they become uh, 
for lack of a better term, uh, junk holders. <laughs> they become a pot that gets set on the counter. And the, the odds and ends, maybe some loose change or your keys or a, or a loose screwdriver or whatever you might have just kind of gets dumped in the pot. It's, it's cracked, but it hasn't been cast away. I think about things in life that become cast away. And one vivid illustration recently, I was driving up in Whitehall, Maryland, around all those farms around there. And you drive by just about any farm that's been around for a while, especially some of these older farmers. You go by their house and you're going to find out back of the farm, you're going to find next to the barn an old plow. You're going to find an old rake. You're going to find an old uh, hoe that used to be towed behind the tractor one day, but it's been many, many years since that was used for what it was made for. You see, it's been cast away. It no longer fulfills the function. There was a day when that was used to put food on the table, but not anymore. It's been cast away. What I want you, the truth that I want you to get this morning as we walk through this, is I want you to understand you might have had some situations in your life. You might have had some problems come up. The storms of life might have sent you tumbling, and you're walking today with some scars. You might be cracked, but you don't have to be cast away. You, Satan might have come, and he might have railed on you, and Satan might have caused you to stumble and fall and to take some steps in some directions that you shouldn't have go, but I want you to know, although you're marred, God can make you again. God can do that for each and every one of us. And I want that truth to settle into our heart. And I want you to be encouraged this morning that although you're marred, God has the power to make you again. I want you to see as Jeremiah walks down to the potter's house and he beholds before him, the first thing that he sees is the potter. The word came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, arise, go down to the potter's house. And there I will cause thee to hear my words. The potter in this is the Lord Jesus Christ. It is God, the master craftsman, the one who shapes and molds each and every vessel with his masterful hand. He molds it into what seemeth to be good unto him. Can I ask you this morning, have you seen the potter? Do you, do you know the master? Each and every person must come to the place in their life where they acknowledge, they realize, they behold, they see the potter, the master. Who is he? He's the creator of the universe. You wonder where we came from and how we all got here. Let me tell you that everything that was made was made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In the beginning, God, God created. It all came from him. Ultimately, we're all going to answer to him. If you were created by him and God has made and provided a way for your salvation this morning, not only is he's the creator, but he's the Christ. He is the one that came and gave himself for you. He died on a cross. He, he gave himself a sacrifice. Why? So that you could be redeemed. I am redeemed by the blood of the lamb. Amen. You redeemed this morning? Redeemed, so you can be redeemed. Have you seen the potter? Have you realized he's the creator, that he is also the Christ that came and gave himself for you? If you haven't, you can know his forgiveness this morning. You can have a new life in Jesus Christ, not turn over a new leaf, not start to do a little bit better, but literally have a new life in Jesus Christ this morning. I want to implore you, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, haven't been forgiven of your sins, let him make you new today. God can do that for you. Not only was he the creator and the Christ, but I want you to know he is the master craftsman. And he is shaping and molding each and every one of your lives and my life into what he would have it be. And if we would but yield to the potter. 
boy. The Bible tells us, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. He gave himself so that you could become the sons of God. Oh, the psalmist says he brought me up out of a horrible pit. Out of the miry clay and he set my feet on a rock and he established my goings. Have you seen the potter? Do you acknowledge him for who he is this morning? Well, the moment that you do acknowledge him for who he is and you accept him as your savior, he forgives you of your sin. I want you to know the Bible tells us that he begins to work on you. The Bible says in Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He began to work on you. He began to do something in your life. He started to shape you into his plan and his purpose, the pattern that he would have you be. Can I tell you this morning, you're not here in God's house by accident. The steps of your life have brought you to this place. Each and every situation has directed your steps, brought you even here into this house today so that you could hear this message. So that the Holy Spirit of God could reach down from the portals of heaven and reach into your heart and tell you the word of God is being preached, the truth of God is being preached, and you have a choice to make today. Are you going to see the potter for who he is? you going to accept him as your Lord and Savior and be forgiven of your sin? Are you going to yield to the master and let him shape and mold you into what he would have you be? As Jeremiah was led to the potter's house, can you picture it with me, that small adobe hut? He's walking into this, maybe a dim lit, dimly lit room, maybe just a candle or two there as the potter is working. Maybe there's an easterly facing window that would have been full of the brightness of the morning sun, but in the twilight of the day is cast with shadows. He sees the potter there, but I want you to know, secondly, he sees the clay. He says in verse number four, in the vessel that he made of clay. This clay, beloved, is nothing special. It's a common element found in the ground. The clay in and of itself has no intrinsic value. I've always liked that word, intrinsic. I use words like that. My wife says, ooh, there's a big one. <laughs> I said, hey, I'm glad after all these years I can still impress you. <laughs> intrinsic just means that it has value in and of itself. Nothing outside of it makes it like gold has intrinsic value. Right now it's about $2,000 an ounce. Got any? <laughs> gold has intrinsic value. But dirt, dirt doesn't have any intrinsic value. There's nothing valuable in a pile of dirt in and by itself. There is very little there. I would just want to remind you this morning that you and I really are clay. Just clay. We're just, the Bible, the book of Genesis said that God formed man from the dust of the ground. As one uh, boy in Sunday school, he learned about this, how God formed us from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and that we're all made of dust. 
And then he went up to big church and he's sitting in church and the preacher's preaching and he says, talks about how the fact that one day when we pass away, listen, you aren't taking anything with you. It's all going to be done. Your body's going to go back in the ground. You're going to go back to dust. And this little boy went home after church. He's sitting there looking under his bed. Mom comes in and says, what are you doing? He says, well, I ain't sure who's under here, but somebody's coming or going. I don't know which. <laughs> There's nothing intrinsically valuable about dirt in and by itself. You and I are made of common, ordinary self. No, nothing, nothing really special about us. And you say, wait a minute, Pastor. I've heard you say that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Correct. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. What makes us valuable is that we've been put into the master's hand. That God has formed and fashioned us as he would. Our worth this morning is achieved because of the potter and what the potter has done. It doesn't matter this morning how gifted you are in one particular area of life. It doesn't matter how high your IQ is. It doesn't matter how beautiful you are on the outside as an individual. These things that the world might look upon or you may be able to lift or bench press so many uh, pounds. Those things are not what make you valuable. Our value is directly to tied into the portion of which we are yielded to the master's hand. You take the fastest computer in the world today and put it here on the stage but until somebody comes to do something with it, it's really just a paperweight. Somebody has to turn it on. Somebody has to input information. Somebody has to, uh, Brother Aaron likes to say it's, it's about as stupid as a computer or as dumb as a, I don't know, that's probably not a good quote, <laughs> something like that. But basically he's saying the computer can't do anything. You've got to tell it what to do. Somebody has to train it. Somebody has to instruct it. You take the, uh, how many of you guys like golf? I like golf. You can tell me it's nothing sinful with golf, amen. <laughs> I'm glad because I enjoy a good, I always wanted to get out and play a game before the end of the year. Not going to happen now. No, no spinning or twisting yet, but maybe in the spring. Anyways, golf, you take the, the best golf club in the world, the highest quality club, and give it to Brother Bob Gamble. And it is not going to be worth much. It doesn't matter how good a club that is. It doesn't matter how much engineering and science has gone behind it. What makes a club valuable is the person swinging it. That's what we are in the master's hand, beloved, is the values because of where it's been placed. You guys have heard and I'm sure know the old poem, The Touch of the Master's Hand. But can I read it and remind it to you this morning? "'Twas battered and scarred and the auctioneer." Thought it scarcely worth his while to waste much time on the old violin, but held it up with a smile. What am I bidding, good folks, he cried. Who will start the bidding for me, a dollar, a dollar or two? Two dollars, who will make it three? Three dollars once, three dollars twice, going for three, but no. From the room far back, a gray-haired man came forward and picked up the bow. Then wiping the dust from the old violin and Tightening the loose strings, he played a melody pure and sweet and a carol that an angel could sing. The music ceased and the auctioneer with a voice that was quiet and low said, what am I to bid for the old violin? And he held it up with the bow. 
$1,000, who will make it two? $2,000, who will make it three? 3000 once, 3000 twice, and going, going, said he. The people cheered, but some of them cried. We don't quite understand what changed its worth, swiftly came the reply, the touch of the master's hand. And many a man with life out of tune and battered and scarred with sin is auctioned off cheap to the thoughtless crowd, much like an old violin. A mess of pottage, a glass of wine, a game as he travels on. He's going once, going twice, and almost gone. But the master comes, and the foolish crowd never can quite understand the worth of a soul that is changed, that is wrought by the touch of the master's hand. Can I tell you what makes us truly valuable is that we're in the master's hand. That this old lump of clay is being shaped and molded by a master craftsman. God will take a lump of clay and make it fit for the master's use. You might be an old stammering Moses, but God will use you to free his people. You might just be a shy shepherd boy like David, but God can make you a king. You might be the least among leaders like Gideon, but God gives you an army. You might be just a boy like Daniel, but God stands with you. You might just be a shoe salesman like D.L. Moody, but oh my, what God can do with you. You're valuable because of the master. You might be able to speak well this morning. You might have a gift of knowledge and understanding. You might be able to calculate vast quantities of numbers. You might be able to build and craft amazing things with your hands. You might be able to paint or sew or cook or run or work or plant. But we're only as valuable to the extent that we are used by the master. Paul said, Lord, what would you have me to do? Every Christian needs to come to the place where they say, whatever you want, Lord, whatever you want. I'm, I'm clay in your hand. You make me what you want me to be. Once you're in the hand of the potter, once you're yielded to him, he begins to work. The vessel doesn't have a mind of its own, but it's yielded and crafted into the mind of the master. Beloved, it's one thing to trust him as savior, but it's another thing to trust him as he shapes your life. As he shapes your life and makes it what he wants it to be. I would like you to see the next thing that Jeremiah saw as he beheld in the potter's house there, he beheld the wheel. He says, then I went down to the potter's house and behold, he wrought a work on the wheel. The wheel can represent those things in life, those circumstances, the situations, the turmoil of life, the things that God uses or brings into our life to shape us. When he puts us on the wheel and he begins to shape that piece of clay, you know what a potter does, the very first thing he does? He douses it with water. You see, you gave yourself to God and in your heart and mind you thought, oh, he's going to bless me. And the first thing he does is blast you. You're like, wait, this is not what I signed up for. This is not really what I, what I meant. I, I was looking for something else. But can I tell you, the supreme passion of the potter is the protection of the vessel. 
He wants to protect the vessel. Every motion is calculated. Every turn is timed. Every level of pressure is precise. Can I tell you, the master never one time said, oops, I didn't mean to do that. He wasn't ready for that. Oh, no, no, he knows exactly what he's doing, and he is masterfully crafting something of your life that is beyond your recognition if you would just yield to him. If you live long enough, you'll see God's work in your life. If you live long enough, you'll see, you'll be able to look back through the pages of time of your life and you'll see where God was shaping, where God was molding and the work that he did. And one day when we get to glory, we'll see as he sees and behold all of what God was doing. Between now and then, we've got to trust him. Life sometimes feels like you're in a circle. Like you get out of one problem and another one comes right around like how fast did that I wasn't quite ready for that. Can I tell you the Lord's in control? The Lord's in control. He knows how fast the wheel's spinning and he knows what's coming next. He knows what you're enduring. There's things in life that have brought hardship to you or challenges to you. You might be marred, but God can make it again. The vessel here, we see it's marred in the master's hand, not by the master's hand. It's something that was there, it was present, it was in the vessel itself. From what I understand, a good potter can actually feel and tell if the clay is going to mar. If there's something present in the clay, maybe there's a hard spot or something that's really unmoldable. And if he was to try and bake that clay right then, he would know it would crack in the fire. So he has to continue to work it and bring it around to the place where he can get that hard part softened out or has to remove that hard part. Sometimes the Lord has to remove some stuff. But he knows all about your imperfections. The master knows all about my imperfections. He knows all about the places in our life where we might be marred. The songwriter said, empty and broken, I came back to him. A vessel unworthy, so scarred with sin. But he did not despair. He started over again. And I bless the day he didn't throw the clay away. Amen. Over and over, he molds me and makes me. Into his likeness, he fashions the clay. A vessel of honor I am today because he didn't throw the clay away. He is the potter and I am the clay. Molded in his image, he wants me to stay. When I stumble and I fall, my vessel breaks. And he just picks up the pieces. He doesn't throw the clay away. Can I tell you this morning, I'm glad that he didn't throw the clay away. If it was up to me, I would have thrown this old pile of clay away a long time ago. I would have said it's not worth all the effort. It's not worth the time or the energy. But God said, no, there's just something here that's got to be worked out. We've got we to help him get this out of his life. And, oh, this hard area here needs to be softened up. And, oh, he needs to yield right here. And God takes those broken pieces and he molds and makes again a life for his honor and glory. 
Maybe there's some hard things in your life, some places you're not ready to give in to God. He stirred you, he's challenged you and said, would you do this? And you said, no, no, not yet, I'm not quite ready. And God's trying to bring you to the place where you just yield to him. We're resisting him. Many of us are like the old farmer that his car was broken down on the side of the road and a tow truck driver came and was picked him up and he was hooked to the truck and he told the driver, he says, no, I'm just going to ride in the car. The tow truck driver said, well, you can't do that. He says, well, I'm riding in the car. This is my car. I'm riding in it. So the tow truck driver said, well, I'm not going that far. I'm just going to, I'll drive him over there. This old guy, I can't get him to do anything. So he, he takes off in the tow truck and he's driving to the shop. Well, they got to this last hill and it was really hard. They get to the shop and the tow truck driver gets out and he comes around to the car and he looks at the old timer and he says, man, he says, I thought we would never like to get up that last hill. Boy, that was hard. My truck was working like I've never seen. And the guy said, I thought so too. That's why I had the brakes on the whole time. I was afraid we were going to roll backwards. Some, sometime God's trying to do something in our life and we got the brakes on the whole time. We're not ready just to trust him. Boy, it's kind of a steep hill, kind of a rough situation. I'm not sure if I'm ready, Lord. And we've got the brakes on. You might be broken. But next time you think about how broken you might be, could you think about that he's begun to work on you? You might be marred, but you can be made again. You might be cracked, but you don't have to be a castaway. D.L. Moody said, it's amazing what God can do with a broken vessel, provided he gets all the pieces. Some of the greatest Christians in the world are Christians that were marred, but they were made again. I encourage you this morning. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know exactly the situations that you're facing or what you're dealing with. You might look at it and old Satan is standing there saying, look at the mess of your life. Nothing can be done with that. It might be a mess, but God can make it again. God can do it again for you. If we just give him the pieces and let him work. Are you broken this morning? God's begun to work in you. God can make again a new vessel. Would you surrender your life to the potter's hand and see what amazing thing he can do? As I bring this to a conclusion, I'm going to ask the pianist to come and we're going to have a moment of invitation. But as I close this down, can I ask you this morning, have you met the master? Have you met the master? Do you know him? Do you know that your sins are forgiven, that, that, that you have accepted what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross? If you haven't met the master, boy, we would love to take the word of God and introduce you to him today. You can put your faith and trust in him. You can have a new life in Jesus Christ. You'll never be the same. If you've met the master and you know that he is indeed in control of your life and you're yielded to him, could you be encouraged this morning by the fact that although Satan sometimes mars us, we can be made again by the master. Would you stand to your feet with your heads bowed and your eyes closed?